Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. We are your hosts, Vicki and Marissa. This week we'll be discussing the book A Strange Hymn by Laura Thurlassa. Uh, this week's episode is what's considered an after dark episode. So in those after dark episodes, that's where the story couldn't be the story without the romantic elements and the more adult themes. So this week we'll be talking about sex. There will be cursing most likely and some explicit content. So if that's not your jam, maybe listen to one of our other episodes or wait until we move past the series. If that is your jam, keep on a listening. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and kick things off with our character descriptions. So we introduced a lot of new characters last week. We have some new characters this week and some characters from last week that we're going to elaborate on a little bit because we actually get to see them instead of just knowing that they exist. So our first new character this week is named Malachi. He is Des's best friend. He's described as being super muscular, he wears an eye patch on his left eye, and it covers a deep scar that stretches from his cheek um, up to bisect his eyebrow. He's described as having deep olive-toned skin and dark brown hair, and he is the lord of dreams. So he controls dreams in this world. Next, we see Gallagher Nix. So that is Des's dad former king of the Night Kingdom. He's a jerk. He looks a lot like Des, so he and Des are very similar. Uh, Des is, I think it's the Night, or Gallagher's wings are described as being a little bit wider in wingspan, but his body's a little bit more compact, and his wings are black, where Des's wings are like a silvery color. And his facial expressions are ones that are tinned with more malice and more sinister looking than Des. So they're very similar looking, except Gallagher looks hateful. And he is. He's known for having a temper, which is, has been passed on to Desmond. He uh, takes it upon himself to murder all of his children. So there was a prophecy that foretold, foretold his downfall, which would be at the hands of one of his kids. And so to keep that from happening, he starts murdering all of his children to prevent it coming true. And the only reason Des wasn't killed was because his mother, when she found out she was pregnant, she left the Night Kingdom or left the Night King's palace and hid Des, which brings us to Des's mother, Larissa Flynn. So she worked as a scribe on Arrestus, which is where Des grew up. She's described as having dark hair like Callie, and Des says often that Callie reminds him of his mother. We found out that she actually worked as a spy for the Night Kingdom, and that's how she met Des's father. So she prevented an attack on the king and saved him. And in doing that, she was introduced to the king, and that day he had her removed as a spy, and she was unwillingly placed in his harem. Um, and so he, uh, the king, later finds them on Arrestus, and he kills Larissa, Dessa's mom, when Dessa was 15. We see more of the, the Queen of Flora in this book. So she was briefly introduced in our last podcast, uh, but her name is Mara Verdana, and she's described as having wild red cascading hair, green eyes, alabaster skin, voluptuous lips, and curves. She's mated to the green man, but unlike Des, she keeps a harem of men to satisfy her. That brings us to the green man, so that's Mara's husband and mate. He is described as being entirely green with hair the color of evergreen and skin the color of spring grass. He has amber eyes. I picture like the jolly green giant, but normal height and kind of sexy. 
Um, he's described as having a pretty face without the hardened edge that Des has, and he gives off creeper vibes. Vicky pictures Groot. <laughs> she sees Groot when she sees the green man, which I guess you could, yeah, I, I guess you could see that too. We get a closer introduction to King Janus, the king of the day kingdom. He's described as having golden hair, tan skin, eyes the color of Caribbean waters. And he had a twin. His name was Julius, who was killed in battle. We meet a new monster in this book. So we meet the bog, who is a Night Kingdom monster. It's described as having huge, as being a huge slithering shadow with a hulking horned form. It eats fairies alive. It subjects them to their worst fears while digesting them. So that the bog is used as like a form of, of punishment. We take a trip to Flora in this book. So the Flora Kingdom. And we, we learn a little bit more about it. So it's got normal day and night cycles. Mara's castle is located in the Flora Kingdom, and so it's described as being a gray stone structure with flowers and vines all over the walls and the floor and everywhere, and with moss that carpets the floor. There are great trees that people live in, and the castle is surrounded by Mara's sacred forest of massive oak trees. Damaging one of these trees is equivalent to declaring war against her. She's very protective of her trees. Also in this book, Des gives Callie a tour of the Night Kingdom Islands. And so they go to Philea, which is the land of dreams. That's where your fantasies come true. There's Mimnos, which is the land of nightmares. It's home to the bog and all of the other nasty creatures in this kingdom. There's Barbos, which is the city of thieves and party central. It's home to like gambling halls, brothels, uh, bars. There's, it's just general revelry occurs on this, on this island. And it's the headquarters for the Angels of Small Death, which is the brotherhood that Des was part of as a teenager. They go to Arrestus, which is where Des grew up. It's the smallest and the poorest of the islands. There are lots of cave structures, which is where Des and his mom lived. And then they go to Lephus, which is the city of lovers and is home to waterfalls and rolling hills and mountains. And it's just a very romantic location. Yeah, so for the green man, I picture a moss-covered group. <laughs> That's what I picture. <laughs> nice. Okay, so this week I will be doing our brief plot description. We join our friends back in the Night Kingdom. Callie is looking at her new features that were given to her by Karnan. She now has wings, scales, and claw-tipped fingers. She's reflecting on her time with Karnan. She notes that she spent years trying not to be a victim, only to feel like all her armor came off after a week of imprisonment. She also starts to think about why she didn't feel the mating bond with Des and why he didn't come sooner. She regrets that she cannot return to Earth due to her new physical changes. She misses her friend Temper and her home. We learn that she's been having trouble adjusting to her wings and she's had trouble sleeping and feeling attractive. Des does not share these feelings and decides to teach her how to fight and defend herself. When she argues with him about needing training, he reminds her that she previously told him that she wanted to be someone's nightmare. While they're training, they get interrupted by Malachi, Dez's friend and Lord of Dreams. Malachi tells Dez that there are urgent matters to tend to in the firm room. Dez asks him to bring a chair for Callie so she can be involved in the process as well. They arrive in the throne room where a fauna fae has a message. Dez agrees to hear what he has to say. The Fauna Fae dumps out four severed heads of Night Kingdom diplomats. The Fae then continues to say that they demand justice for the murder of their king, destruction of their palace, and the death of the Fae that were trapped in the palace when it came down. Their justice would be Des abdicating his throne. Des rejects this demand and instead feeds the Fauna Fae to the bog. Callie is bothered by the Fae's screaming and excuses herself. 
Des joins Callie a little while later and asks her if she's scared of him. She says yes. He then uses his magic to find out if what she saw changes things for her. She truthfully answers no, despite feeling that maybe it should change things. He asks her what happened during the last seven years where he wasn't around. She tells him about her friendship with Temper, and she asks him about how he met Malachi. He reveals that they met as teenagers, and they met in Barbos, the city of thieves, where he joined a gang, but keeps referring to it as a brotherhood. Dead, or dead. Des tells her that they've saved each other's lives and were there for each other throughout the centuries. Callie has a nightmare where she hears laughter and the voices of a woman, children, and Karnan. After she wakes, she decides it's time to see the casket children again. The creepy children again creep her out and say that their father is coming for her. When she leaves the room, she has a realization. The casket children don't have any animal features like horns or tails the way normal fauna fae have, meaning that Karnan cannot be the father of the children. Des has already figured this out, and Callie is upset that he kept a secret from her. To make it up to her, Des shows her one of the libraries in his palace. He gives her all of the reports taken from the night fae survivors of Karnan's prison. Callie decides to stay in the library for a bit and asks the Fae Librarian for books regarding Des and the Night Kingdom. Des returns and finds Callie reading about him and his kingdom. He decides it's time to show her more of the Night Kingdom. In order to do so, she needs to learn to fly. While he is training her on how to fly, he reveals that fairies have started to call her an enchantress. The training session is pretty brief and is basically Des pushing Callie off a railing. She doesn't splatter to the ground, though, and ends up loving flying. They land in Philia, the land of dreams. The city acts like a dream. There are people you recognize that you can't place. Restaurants turn into gothic cathedrals in the middle of sentences. It's basically Inception. <laughs> Next, he takes her to Barbos, the city of thieves. There are fae who are drunk, fighting, gambling. It's basically Vegas. <laughs> Callie gets to meet another friend of Dez's. Phaedron, who, which also means Dez has more friends than Callie. After a fight breaks out in the bar, they leave, and Dez buys Callie twin daggers. The next stop is Orestes. It is a poor city and where he grew up. He reveals that his mother was a town scribe and that they lived in caves instead of a real house due to their poverty. It's also revealed that his father murdered his mother. Finally, they travel to Lyphus, the city of lovers. They do exactly what you think a couple would do in a place called City of Lovers. They then return to Somnia, and they start working on the disappearing fae mystery again. Des tells Callie that while the women have stopped vanishing, the men continue to vanish, and most of them are soldiers. They are discussing whether or not to go to Solstice when all of a sudden there is a security breach. Something has crossed over from Earth and destroyed one of the portals and was now attacking the other world. It turns out to be Callie's best friend, Temper. Callie reveals that Temper is a powerful sorceress, and that was one of the reasons she was an outcast at school. She manages to calm Temper down, and Des offers his kingdom's protection, but that means he has to make an appearance at Solstice. Solstice is when all four major kingdoms gather during the week surrounding the longest day of the year to celebrate regeneration of life. It's a time for rivalries. <laughs> to be set aside. The Flora Kingdom is hosting the solstice. In order to prepare for this, Des reads to Callie about the Four Kingdoms' history and their leaders. He reveals that Mara was never supposed to rule the Flora Kingdom, it was her sister. However, her sister fell in love with an enchanter who was eventually put to death, and then her sister killed herself over it. Now Mara rules the kingdom with her mate, the Green Man. The book Des reads from also says that Karnan was a gentle ruler. Callie muses that maybe Karnan was not necessarily mad or even the same person with dual personalities, but actually had two separate entities inside of himself. As they prepare, as they prepare for solstice, Des asks Callie to keep her siren out until she is introduced to the Queen of Flora. Callie agrees as long as she gets to drink. Everything starts out all right. Callie's a bit awkward, but they drink have sex against a tree, he tells her secrets, they flirt with each other, then they train, and they end up in Mara's sacred oak forest, where the trees are bleeding. 
Callie asks to see the Flora Kingdom sleeping women, and the green man shows up and reveals that Mara has the creepy children killed. At this point, Solstice turns into a shit show. The green man creepily hits on Callie. Callie finally realizes that she's been having unprotected sex and freaks out about being pregnant. She IDs Janus as the king of Janus, the king of day, as her captor, causing Des to just beat the shit out of him. Mara tries to force immortality on Cal- Cal- Callie. Then she attempts to whip a human for being raped by a fae, and Callie takes the whipping instead, which pissed Des off and calls a big fight. He makes her whole harem disappear. Callie starts having super realistic nightmares. Soldiers go missing. Des is accused of being the thief of souls. It's revealed that Des's father killed all of his kids, was killing all of his children due to a prophecy. It's also revealed that because Callie isn't Faye, her bond with Des doesn't work quite right. They then find the missing soldiers in the bleeding trees. Everything comes to a head at this point because Callie chopped down two of Mara's sacred oak trees. Mara and Des engage in a massive fight. Callie gets herself lured away by someone who looks like Des. Turns out it's his father. The green man is not actually the green man. The green man died a while ago and the thief of souls inhabited his body. The green man slash thief of souls starts fighting with Callie. He tells Callie that he actually did possess Karnan, but found himself constantly battling his mind for dominance and that wearing the skin of dead Fae is easier. He also reveals that Callie is part of a prophecy. The thief of souls then manages to stab the shit out of Callie, mortally wounding her. That's where I'm going to end it, because we don't know. Because <laughs> then, what happens to our heroine? Okay, so now we're going to go into our main discussion. And just a warning, we will be talking about spoilers. If you like spoilers, you can continue to listen. If you're not a big fan of spoilers, you can stop here and pick up again when you uh, catch up to us in the book. Okay, so one of my first points on this is that I wanted to talk about this in the last podcast, but I forgot to bring it up. Mm-hmm. The casket children look at Des and just start screaming and hissing. And I don't know why, but I find that hilarious. Could you just imagine all these like babies <laughs> and children turning to face you and scream at the same time? <laughs> that imagery. It's funny. Just, yeah. <laughs> cracks me up. Yeah. I think that's funny too. Uh I do you watch what we do in the shadows? Yes. So I that, that show. I, I just picture like Nadia and Nandor and just yes. <laughs> their hissing faces. <laughs> I like how Callie goes to see the children that she already knows are creepy and then goes, Oh, this is really creepy. You know that Callie. <laughs> like what you what you think was gonna happen? Did you, you forget? forgot after the first time when they tried to grab a hold of you and wouldn't let you go and we're gonna bite you did you forget that Uh, i guess she did in the beginning of the book callie is you know looking at her new scales and her wings and her claws that she has to sharpen meticulously now but still pop out when she gets pissed off and she's feeling really insecure about having all of these new things and not ever being able to go back to earth because she can't glamor them away. She can't make it go away. And also if she can't go back to earth, she can't use her glamoring power to compel people to do things anymore. So she's feeling pretty weak and insecure about her abilities at this point and just her, like what she looks like, all of those things in general. And Des is like, here's some training leathers. We're going to learn how to fight, which is the timing on that is perfect because she's, it's when she's feeling like really bothered by herself. She's feeling weak. She's feeling unhappy. And he's like, I recognize that you can't use your glamour anymore. And it practically, it's just not going to be okay for you to go to earth for a while. So let's give you, he he's seeking to make, to empower her, which is so practical because 
she's basically defenseless without her glamour, but it's also just really sweet and supportive of him too, which I think is great. He's a very supportive partner. He is. And I think it's also a great way for her to become adjusted to her body. Cause could you imagine just having wings one day? That's got to throw you off. Right. Right. Yeah. So to learn how to fight and to put yourself in these physically demanding situations where you have to figure out where your body is and everything will help her. Mm-hmm. Des teaches Callie how to fly, which is really different from, so his teaching approach is way different from what we saw when we discussed A Court of Mist and Fury when Asriel's trying to teach Pharaoh how to fly. Asriel's very like, it takes time, lots of practice, whatever. Des is like, come stand on this ledge. And Callie's like, I don't want to. And he's like, no, you're going to come stand on the ledge. So she does. And then he basically just like shoves her off. (laughs) And she just free falls and her wings come out. And then he uses his magic to help her. But like him teaching her how to fly is like when people throw kids into pools and they're just like, swim. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I guess it's either that or die. So (laughs) I thought that was hysterical. (laughs) Like there was no finesse to that at all. (laughs) I know. Me too. (laughs) Because I was expecting some like, you know, nice training. She manages to keep herself off the ground for like two seconds. And he's like, you're ready. Shove. (laughs) (laughs) That fawn of fame that comes and demands justice and demands Des abdicate his throne. Mm-hmm. That is messed up. <laughs> yeah. Right? I just can't believe the audacity of the Fauna Fae. Like, they ro- like just this guy just rolling in with a bag full of heads. Like, here's your, what were they? Ab- ambassadors? Here's your ambassadors. We're pissed off. You ruined, like, you killed our king. And you messed up our our uh, castle, so you're gonna pay for a new one. And we also we want you to step down, like the balls. Yeah. Although, so they now have like a kingdom that's probably in complete chaos. They don't have a leader, mm-hmm. so it's gotta be confusing and chaotic there. And so this is one way that they can kind of take control. And Des paying to rebuild the palace, I guess that's, that would make sense. But to (laughs) abdicate his throne? Yeah. No, that's dumb. Mm -hmm. And then he feeds him to the bog. Right. Surely there was some type of hierarchical structure in place so that if the king died, there was like a governor, a lord who could lead them temporarily. It's not like... Karnan was this great guy that Des just killed for no reason. He imprisoned thousands of women and raped them. (laughs) It's not like he was a great guy. This is a stunning personality who hadn't done anything wrong. I feel bad for him. Okay, because here's the thing. Karnan himself wasn't bad, right? Right. It was, he was possessed essentially by the Thief of Souls. And I feel bad for him because in all the like history books, right? It reads as if he's this gentle leader who was able to bring his country together, kingdom together. And he gets possessed by the Thief of Souls and driven mad and forced to be a rapist and that. So I feel, I feel bad for him. Because mm-hmm. it yes. sounds like he actually wasn't right. a bad guy. Yes. Right. Temper tearing into the other world to rescue Callie is one of my favorite parts of this entire series. Everything Temper does, like, I just love. She's amazing. (laughs) She is. I love her. And she's so defensive of Callie, too. Mm -hmm. And she's ready to just, like, kill Dez. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Immediately. She sees her with the wings, and she's like, what did he do to you? He yeah. gave you wings. And Callie's like, it's okay. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, she's, she goes to bat for Callie like so hard every single time Callie's threatened. She's just like such a good friend. 
Mm-hmm. Like she runs interference for her too when Callie's like, Temper, I need help. Like, come help, save me from this awkward situation. Tipper's like, I got you. Let's go over here. I know. <laughs> it's so great. It is. Yeah. I like that Callie has like real reactions to things. Like, you made this note when they're like calling her out to like, with Des when they're going to the throne room, she's like, uh, no, why am I being introduced? Yes. And then when she goes to a party and she's like visibly awkward, it's like, yep, been in this situation before. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah, she's, I think she's a great character and very, very relatable. Yes. I'm, you know, I made fun of her for that whole bar thing, but <laughs> yeah, Callie is all of us feeling awkward. <laughs> she is. She's a great character. And but the thing is, is that she still like um, says that she's not going to be his queen or whatever, right? She's still not thinking for whatever reason that she's going to marry him or something. Yeah. I don't know. Even though he's like, you're my soulmate. Yeah. She. Just, eh, I'm not going to be queen. What are you talking about? I think it goes back to that insecurity, which is really in contrast with her siren, who's like super confident and very take charge. Callie's like, uh, what if Des doesn't really like me still? Like, oh gosh. (laughs) I'm probably getting this. I know. And Des is really respectful of that, though. So he'll, like, call her his queen or something. She'll, she'll say, what? And then he moves. And he's like, it's a turn of phrase. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Mara's sister was bamboozled, like you wrote, by an enchanter. So there are several things I want to comment about this. First off, uh, Callie is being called an enchantress. So Mara probably already just has a negative connotation towards her because Mara didn't want to be, from what I understand, didn't want to be ruler of the Flora kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. So on, you know, so now she's basically forced to do that because they ended up executing this enchanter and this devastated her sister and she killed herself. But never kill yourself over a man. Yeah. Don't do it. It's just, it's not, it's not worth it. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's the message I I want out about this. (laughs) (laughs) We have a PSA. (laughs) Never kill yourself over a man or woman. It's just, just somebody. person. Yeah. Don't ever kill yourself because of somebody else like that. But I wanted to bring up that's interesting that she did that because their life is tied to their mate. Mm-hmm. They talk about that. So I guess it makes sense in this world to kill yourself after your mate dies. We'll be talking about this more in the next podcast about how Mara looks now that the green man is dead, dead. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a shit deal. Yeah. That would be pretty unfortunate, I guess. If you, uh, I guess it would depend on like how strongly you felt about your partner with the mating bond. So, like with Des and Callie, it seems like they have a pretty strong bond, right? He doesn't have a harem, he's only interested in having her as his partner. So, I feel like if he died and she was still left alive, it would be really hard to carry on. You talked about how Mara probably already had kind of negative feelings toward Callie anyway, because she's being called the enchantress. So Mm -hmm. when Des and Callie decide that they're going to go to the solstice gathering, Des asks her to let her siren flag fly, like to liberate the siren for their entrance to the flora kingdom and i thought that was a really interesting way to i i wonder like i know that he probably did that because that's 
it feeds into what people have been saying about her and it makes her more fascinating and interesting, which probably would make her more likable or appealing as they go into a kingdom that views humans as slaves. So he's kind of setting her apart, which would be helpful for her case, I feel. But I kind of wonder if he's doing it also as like a subtle middle finger to Mara. As helpful as it was to show how she does have some power and stuff, now, like, everyone wants to fuck her. Yeah. (laughs) Which annoyed me. Me too. Comes up and is like, oh, I would never have thought of a human before, but now I do. How many people say that to her? All, all of them. Like, everybody wants to have sex with her now because she's a different type of human. Like, they've exoticized her, which is so irritating. Even the Thief of Souls, that's one of the things that he keeps. Like, he calls her a slave for all of the first book, I think, and part of this one. And then suddenly he's calling her the Enchantress. And he's talking about how, like, he wants to kill her, but he also wants to have sex with her. So, and then he'll kill her when he's bored with her. Like, uh, why? Why? Why are these people like this? <laughs> I don't know. They're fae. Um, so the party. Yeah. We were talking about her being awkward at the party and her, or him introducing while she's all lit up like her siren self. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, but then he kind of leaves her after okay. showing all of these people how gorgeous she is and like strong she looks and everything and knows what's pretty much going to happen. And he's mm-hmm. like, all right, bye. I'm going to go talk to other people. Yeah. And she's like, okay, I guess I'll stand in this corner and be have the sit my wine. <laughs> the green man comes over and propositions her. It's interesting. The first time he comes over to talk to her, she's like and asks her to dance. She says she sees him as like a kindred soul. Mm-hmm. And when I'm reading that, though, I was thinking, no, 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 no. He seems dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this seems wrong. He's acting very strange. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's just that she's, this is her first solstice, she's the new kid to the party, and she can see that Mara pretty openly is rejecting him for her entire harem, so I think she can just relate to someone who feels maybe out of place when she feels out of place. Mm -hmm. I do like that for this party that he takes her to, he, so they start out outside, and he beckons, so he makes a deal with the stars to borrow their light so he can hang the night sky in her hair. I thought that was really sweet. And it goes back to when she was a teenager and he enchanted the fireflies to sit to, he crowned her with fireflies in her hair. Mm-hmm. I think that's a nice little connection from their past to their present. Yes. I think it, so they have when the day kingdom finally shows up at the solstice for one of the parties happening at night, Callie sees Janus and it's the person who kidnapped her and took her to Karnan's kingdom and has this very, like drops her champagne glass has a very visceral reaction. And Des is like, all systems go and just beats the shit out of him. Like no hesitation, just dives in. Callie's like, he took me. Des is like, all right, going to kill somebody. I love that. I think me too. <laughs> like, there was no, all right, let me talk to him and see what's up. It was yeah. just, all right, I'm going to punch you in the face. Yeah. When Des is beating the crap out of Janus, like he was so hot in that moment for me because it describes him as being like, speckled in blood his hair that was smoothed back before is like in tendrils around his face it looks wild his face is ferocious he's coiled with rage it's like hello daddy like (laughs) it was so hot (laughs) you didn't think that was hot (laughs) no (laughs) i mean not particularly so this is when everything goes to shit basically so they have this thing and Callie realizes that she's been having unprotected sex with Des this whole time (laughs) oh it's been how much sex have they had and now she's like oh (laughs) what we didn't use protection 
Come on, Callie. Although she does admit it, like, what loser forgets about this? Me. Yeah, that loser. <laughs> How does this none of ever crossed your mind? Mm-hmm. I just don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to point it out to her. Oh, Callie. Callie, Callie, Callie. Sister. <laughs> Come on. Someone, someone missed the safe sex talk or something. <laughs> For real. Like, I understand, okay, maybe one time, but never making this connection. Yeah. That until a green man's like, oh, he's trying to breed with you. <laughs> then just, oh, what? Oh. Although yeah. it's really sweet when she talks to Des about it and Des is like, I thought you wanted to have my kids. And she was like, well, not now. Yeah, not today. <laughs> and he says, I wouldn't see them as a burden. It's hard enough, you know, fey children are rare. Yeah. Okay. So furthering the shit show at this party, we have Ma- Mara trying to trick Callie into drinking the lilac wine, which will give her immortality. How could she? <laughs> Why? That's such a big decision. Yeah. And she's so just, oh, let's just casually do this. And, yeah. Yeah. But Callie, Callie, to her credit, takes a glass, but is like, mm, this is a trick. So she's not going to drink it, which is smart decisions. Never take drinks from strangers or people you don't know well. Yeah, or people who have been rude to you. Yes. And people who are clearly your enemies. Mm-hmm. Never take a drink from a mean girl. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Then there's that uh, whipping that happens, right? Yeah. That's a shit. Oh, God. This yeah. just, they just shouldn't have gone to solstice. I mean, come they on. not have gone to solstice. <laughs> right. So Mara has this human woman and she's gonna whip her because she was found having sex with a fae and when she's asked what happened she's told that he forced himself on her and she just completely ignores this woman's testimony and it's like eight or 20 lashes and um Callie who we know always wants to protect you know she had her own issues has been raped, has been a, a victim of sexual assault many times. Yes, I couldn't, I couldn't remember if she was for some yeah. reason about it. I couldn't remember Yes, for a second, but yes, she has trauma too. So she relates to this girl and she also doesn't want anyone to be a victim. She doesn't want to be a victim. So she's protecting this girl. And I love how she uses her glamour mm-hmm. to tell her everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And then, De- see, this is where Des is up to me. Then Des busts in and is like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I love that we can curse now. <laughs> right? Yeah. So he busts in. He kills the guy who's whipping her, right? Yeah. And breaks his bones. He's like, did you really think that this wouldn't go unpunished? Like, what were you thinking? <laughs> I know, it was great. And then, because he and Mara had, this, like, agreed to be allies for 50 years, he couldn't really take retaliation out on her. So instead, he has her harem disappear. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he kills him. It's never really determined. It's not revealed, yeah. Yeah, how that, how that happened. Mm-hmm. And she's all mad about it, which, you know, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did Ooh. she think was going to happen to her? Oh, such a bad idea. I mean, I guess she had to, like, she put her in such an uncomfortable spot. I, I mean, that as a ruler, I guess she can't be seen as weak. But now she's going to, you know, she's going to get her shit fucked up from Tess. Well, as a ruler, she should seek to be reasonable. But... Well, yes, that's where it all should have started. Really, she should have been like, oh, you were raped. Let's talk to the dude and whip him. Mm-hmm. But no. Backward society doesn't see people as people or humans They're as people. Slaves. They're slaves and property. Mm-hmm. I like that Des forces, uses his magic to have the rapist Faye mm-hmm. confess. Yeah, and then he takes the, the remaining lashes 
go Callie for her bravery too. Yes. Willing to take all of those lashes for that poor human. And it, you know, it like destroys her wings. It breaks her wings, the impact from the whip and she's bleeding and just willing to take it for her. Which I would have done. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) We've talked about our poor tolerance for pain before. (laughs) (laughs) But Callie was going all in. And Des Des talks about how that sets her up to how, you know, it shows the other people in that court what a ruler should be like, what as a queen she will be like, and, you know, creates this respect for her amongst the other human slaves. and for the other people in, in the court. I love that afterwards, after Temper heals her, there's a fae, or not a fae, there's a human who comes to her door with flowers. And we're like, these are for, what, what does he call her? I don't know, she corrects him and says it's Callie. But yeah. she wins over the humans. Mm-hmm. Temper heals her. They decide not to go to the the dance that night they save it for the next night and temper the next day is like did you hear the harem is gone mm-hmm. and then they have a dance later that day and mara's like what did you do mm-hmm. and she, she has this confrontation and she's talking bad about Callie and Callie's like say it to my face she stands up for herself Mara's trying to talk to Des about Callie and Callie is like I'm right here if you have a problem with me you can talk to me about it yes girl stand up for yourself like show this woman yep Mm. yeah I like watching Callie kind of come into herself yeah in this towards the end of this book yeah we see that mm-hmm. shift in her confidence from the beginning to the end. Yeah. She's willing to accept who she is now. So they, so Callie and uh, Des are training and they end up in sort of the forest, the sacred oaks, and they're like something falls on Callie and it turns out to be blood. And Des goes, oh, what's that? And he goes and looks and there's nothing there. And so she's like, oh, so it's sap. And he's like, no, it's blood. And then it doesn't, nobody really talks about it for a while until her, uh, until Callie then goes back, not by herself. She's got like guards with her and the trees steal one of her guards, right? And eat him basically. Mm -hmm. And that's where all this blood is coming from. And she chops down the tree to get her guard back. And I guess kind of figures it out. So she chops down another one and pulls out another person. And that's where all the missing soldiers are. Because that was another thing that's happening. All the soldiers are missing. Which they thought Des was doing. Mm -hmm. Not, turns out it's the trees. Well, it's also not the trees. But you know what I mean. Right. Um, So... I think it's hysterical when this is happening. She she's cutting down the tree, and the the guards that have come with her, because she uh, they wouldn't leave her alone. They've come with her. They're like, you can't chop down one of her trees, and they've just taken the tree has just taken one of their comrades. And Callie's like, I'm not chopping down a tree. I'm saving a soldier. <laughs> like semantics. <laughs> yep. And then she's like, are you just going to stand there? Or are you going to help me? <laughs> I know, because there are these big, she describes when they come in as these, like, giant trees. Yeah. I'm surprised at how quickly those trees came down. Like, she, I feel like she probably would have been there for hours, really. Yeah, hacking at there. it with a sword. Like, <laughs> it's not even an axe. What kind of weak oak trees are these? <laughs> the Thief of Souls killing her. Right. Yeah. I just, I want to say how happy I am that Laura Thalassa did not end this on a massive cliffhanger where she died. (laughs) Thank you, Laura. Thank you. (laughs) Because, oh, that would have driven me up the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about how clever the Thief of Souls is. Because he's so clever. (laughs) Like, it's awful. So one of the things he says to Callie is that their magic is incompatible, right? Same thing how like Dez's magic isn't compatible with Callie because she's not Faye. Mm-hmm. So he needs to basically get her to somehow turn Faye, mm-hmm. right? Or immortal. 
Yeah. And knowing that Des is not going to sneak her the lilac wine and she's probably not going to drink it, he concocts a plan to force Des's hand. Mm-hmm. So he distracts Des. Like, so Gallagher is being used to distract Des, right? Mm-hmm. And the Thief of Souls fights with Callie and stabs her, mortally stabs. Just, she's, everything's been stabbed, right? <laughs> <laughs> And he didn't just, like, stab her straight in. He, like, went up and down, right? Yes. A stab and a lift. Yeah. (laughs) Making sure this was, she would be unable to survive. So he was also relying on the fact that he knew Dez would do whatever it took to keep Callie alive. So Dez now gets to Callie and is like, no, Right? Oh. And tries to order her to stay alive using the beads that she owes him. Doesn't work. So he goes and he gets a lilac wine and he gives it to her. And so she becomes immortal and all her beads are gone too because it was combined with the lilac wine and his powers that she can now live. But it also makes her vulnerable to the Thief of Souls, just like he planned. And, you know, that was just very clever yeah he's good at manipulating people all right you want to talk about sex let's talk about sex let's talk about sex baby (laughs) they have a lot of vertical sex in this book i don't understand the mechanics how does that with the wings like what happens to her wings i know they have yeah so in one situation, they have sex against the tree, which, first of all, we now know that the trees are bleeding. So she was probably filthy after that. Okay. But also the bark in your back. Like, uh. Yeah. You have to find, like, the balance there. Like, okay, this is exciting. We're having sex against the tree outside of a party. Like, there's that voyeurism that's pretty fun okay but at the same time like it's a tree there's bark there's bugs like there's blood instead of sap yeah Mm. i guess they get carried away in the moment and it doesn't matter and the only sensations they feel are you know pleasurable ones right but yeah after do you have bark burn like (laughs) splinters my gosh, could you imagine having to explain that? <laughs> what is this on your back? Oh. That. <laughs> yeah. Like, what if you got sap and because she's got feathers on her wings? Like, how do you get sap out of feathers? Right? Well, that brings us back to the whole cleaning the feathers. Or yeah. the feathers, cleaning the wings. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. just, there's so much vertical sex in this. And I have. There's a lot of vertical sex in this book. I've never been able to relax enough for that to work. <laughs> yeah. I'm just I mean, terrified. Technically, it's just not. And I'll, there's one scene where he's just like, they're having the vertical sex and he's like, there's not, she's not up against anything. He's just holding her like the upper body strength, I guess. Yeah. You would need truly impressive. Good job, Des. Yes. And good job for Callie for trusting him and not being, like, yeah. super yeah, tense. Which is <laughs> <laughs> not, don't drop me, don't drop me. <laughs> so, Sex Against the Tree works in a book. Mm-hmm. In real life, it sounds dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> also in this one, they have sex in water. Yeah. I just think, come on. I just think the germs. Exactly. I think of the germs. I just, hmm. Also, I feel like don't you lose some of that natural lubricant being underwater like that? Maybe so. There's one part in the scene where he, like, goes underwater to go down on her. Oh, yes, that's right. I guess he doesn't need to breathe. I guess he doesn't. Either that or he's willing to drown for it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it must be that good, I guess. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do feel like because that would 
I don't know. I don't know if that would take away from the lubricant or if it would help with the, the lubrication process. This is wet. So I guess it'd be slip. It, and then it goes back to, well, it's slippery. So like, how do you hold on to each other? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I feel like it would mess with, it would be, it would mess with the, like natural lubricant so, like, in terms of uh, the, penetration. I feel like, I don't know. I just, I have a hard time. It seems like there would be like a cannon of water that would shoot into your vagina every time there was a thrust, which seems problematic. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. So then there's yeast infections, I guess you could get, or just, I don't tear up. I mean, cause it's a, it's like natural. It's not chlorinated or like, there's no chlorine who knows what bacteria is in there first off you probably shouldn't be having sex in chlorinated water either though no, i feel like, like chlorine, that's probably what might be worse chlorine it seems like would be bad for your vaginal tissues <laughs> so what are you ramming in there you know having all this bacteria maybe some like tadpoles or something like <laughs> <laughs> leeches <laughs> so another one of those things that that works in a book but in real life would be a cringe Mm -hmm. will come with a lot of stress for our part yes if you enjoy waterfall sex you you do you boo Mm -hmm. (laughs) it sounds nice right right it It sounds sounds nice Nice. I mean, tree sex, I guess in the moment might also, but uh, woo, just the mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Um, Sounds complicated. It does. Oh, the other thing. So her back, well, this happens in like a lot of romance, not like a lot of sex scenes, the back arches, right? Yeah. Which, okay. But if you're standing or you're against a wall or against a tree and your back arch, I cannot, that's got to throw off the balance in some way or like push you off of, yeah, off of the tree. Yeah. Off the tree or off of the wall or something like, don't, I feel like that would be a bad time for your back to arch. Right. If anything, you would want your back to flatten. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like also if you arch your back, you would be taking the pelvis away from the penis. You're maybe more, <laughs> more likely to develop a penis injury in that situation. Yes. Dangerous. Da- back arch. Yeah, it's back arching's dangerous. Always tuck. <laughs> <laughs> Clitoral stimulation is important for orgasm. Yes, but as we look, so the, the clitoris is actually really poorly researched. So they're finding new stuff out about clitoral anatomy all the time and the so that um like the prepuce the thing that goes around the clitoris the clitoral hood um and the clitoris those are really important but it's more the clitoris is way more than just that one part externally and so there are pieces of that anatomy that are that you can stimulate within the vaginal walls um around the the urethra within the labia so i think it's nice to see that because it does like clitoris is important but it's not the like it's not the only thing that can bring pleasure with stimulation let's talk about quotable quotes so one of the quotes that i liked i don't remember who says that oh i think des is saying yeah des is saying this to callie when they're sparring with each other he says fairies don't like to play fair that is like the motto for that should be the national motto for the world of fairy as a whole in every single version of fairy there is fairies don't like to play fair they always stack the deck in their favor i think that's remarkably accurate <laughs> as a quote <laughs> for this race of people <laughs> and then basically everything temper says i love but at one point she says when she's talking about Des beating the crap out of Janus, she says that pretty boy went down like a boner in church. Oh gosh. She's so just like irreverent. Everything that Temper says is hysterical and brilliant. I would love a spinoff book of Temper and Malachi. Would, yes. Give Temper a book. She is one of the best characters in this series. Yeah, she is. 
So the quote I have is, it was, it said right after um, Callie witnesses the fauna Faye being killed by the bog and Des is like, do you, does this change things for you? And she says, no. So this is a quote. It feels like I've just conceded a little bit of my soul, but Des has been collecting pieces of my soul since the night I took my father's life. As far as I'm concerned, he can have it. I know he'll take good care of it. One of the reasons I like that is because Des says a lot about um, how Callie is kind of similar to him. You know, she picked up on this PI business. It's not, you know, it's sketchy, right? She deals in secrets. Um, sorry, the dog was barking. Mm-hmm. I hope it's not in the thing. Did you hear it? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Anyway. Um, so I like that quote about Des kind of collecting her soul. And then that leads into my next one, which are, or which is secrets are meant for one soul to keep. So there are several reasons for this. Okay. This is what's said by Des's mom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she says it multiple times about keeping secrets, which she needed to be able to do as a spy, obviously, right? Um, Des says it, the, uh, I guess those women say it when they all kind of talk together in that first book, they say mm-hmm. it, secrets are meant for one soul to keep. And it's just such an interesting quote for this book because Des is the master of secrets, but now he's being forced to kind of share all of these secrets with Callie and trying to share with her. And it goes along with her being his mate and being, t- you know, two souls, but one sort of thing. So I like how that ties in. And then, um, so I'm part of a group on Facebook called The Lassalites. And I asked people what some of their like quotes were, what they liked. And Jordan said this one, which I think is a is also a great one. Uh, so it's after Callie uh, gets stabbed. This is what happens to brave women, strong women. If you're worthy enough, they'll bleed for you. They'll die for you. So... That's also a great quote. So that's from Des's point of view. And as we know, Des has a lot of respect for women and he defends them as well. And it all comes from having a really strong mother fi- or mother figure, mm-hmm. I guess, in his life that set this great example for him mm-hmm. and his need to protect. So I like that quote too. Yeah, that's a good one. He's such a huge advocate for protecting women, for standing up for women. And, and I, I love seeing that all over the place. Yes. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> Books, movies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Advocates for women. I love you. Maybe that's why he found it so hot when he beat the shit out of Janus. Maybe so. Probably part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with no hesitation. He was just like... That was great. There was no, are you sure you want me to add something? It was just, all right. I mean, he didn't like the guy to begin with, I think. Yeah, he didn't like him to begin with. But, I mean, he just... Callie was like, this guy kidnapped me. And Des was like, on it. Yeah. Fantastic. And then, even like, with the, the Faye that had been raped... He, he advocated for her and compelled her rapist to admit to raping her. And, and then afterwards, that guy, you know, disappeared mm-hmm. with the harem. So, so Laura Thalassa wrote a 2.5 book for this. So she wrote a book from Dez's point of view, Emperor of the Evening Stars, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. It is so good mm-hmm. from Des's point of view. You should read it. We're not going to, I think you have read it. Uh, we're not yeah. going to do a po- whole podcast on it, but you get to learn all about Des's past with his mom mm-hmm. and then how he finds Callie and what led up to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, how heart. he became the king. It's a really mm-hmm. great. It's I'm a, it's probably like novella length. It's about 200 something pages. It's a really great 
backs, it does really great at giving the backstory on Des and providing his perspective on some of his earlier interactions with Callie and then a little bit leading up to where we are now in the plot. So it was really, it was a really good story. I didn't regret investing my time in it at all. Thanks for joining us as we discussed our book this week. Um, Join us next week. We'll be discussing the last book in this series called A Dark Harmony, still by Laura Thalassa. We'll be wrapping it up, moving on from there. So we hope that you join us and we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.